Welcome to the latest episode of the Swedish Junior Hockey Podcast. With us today is uh, a Frenchman uh, born in Havana, Cuba. We're gonna we're gonna ask a little bit about that. But Leo Girard, or how do you pronounce your last name? Is it Girard? So it depends where on the on the planet, but uh, most of the time in France, at least, it's uh, Giro. Giro. And then if I going up. If I going uh, a bit more up, it becomes a Girod. Girod. Uh, if you if you're in Sweden. This episode is brought to you by Scandlux, your home for Scandinavian luxury products for the U.S. market. You can find us at scandlux.com. So I'm getting uh, used to a Girod. Yeah, thank you for coming on. And uh, as always, let's start by. Uh, Tell us who is Leo and uh, where are you at now and, and your current position and a little bit about your background. Uh, to start with, thank you for having me. Uh, who's Leo Giraud? Uh, Leo Giraud, uh, hockey lover. I'm a coaching right now. I'm head coach for Solentuna. They're under 20 team, their junior team. Uh, prior to that, I was in Switzerland coaching two years there, having several positions. Um, and even before that, Moved to Sweden to uh, uh, try to achieve my dream to play professional hockey in Sweden or NHL, which is another story. Uh, and before that, I was in France playing hockey. I'm uh, coming from the Alps, uh, Grenoble, which is um, a good hockey hub in, in France. And then to start with, I'm born in Cuba as well. So I think there are things that we can talk about a bit yeah. later. But uh, this is me. Yeah, let's 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 start there. Um, so so how how do I know that you're born in Cuba? Well, as always, my first go-to place is Elite Prospects. Uh, big mm-hmm. plug for Elite Prospects. First go-to place, and um, and uh, for you that are looking up Leo, it's spelled G I R O D, and uh, a uh, cool picture from the traditional jerseys in europe lots of advertisement on the jerseys which everybody in the u.s thinks that that's hilarious um um yeah place of birth havana cuba uh nation france uh cuba youth team grenoble um and uh, and then also father oliver gerard with a with a uh with a profile and uncle uh Wilfred uh, Girard as well. So let's start with how, tell us about Cuba. Yeah, uh, so mom is Cuban. I'm born there. Uh, my dad went over for several holidays, then fell in love with my mom. Mom moved in Cuba for a few weeks, few months. Then uh, I won't get into details. Uh, but then, yeah, I had to go back to Cuba. My mom had to go back to Cuba with my dad. I'm uh, born there, spent, I think, seven months uh, on the island, which uh, helped me to uh, get my passport because you need to spend six months uh, after your birth to uh, to be a Cuban citizen. Um, and after that, around that time, I moved directly to France. Then I moved back a few times to move back. I traveled back a few times to Cuba uh, and something as well, which is a bit funny, but not so many people know about is that uh, my granddad is a Grammy Award winner. Uh, so that just for you, uh, listener of the podcast, <laughs> uh, um, he's a Grammy, so it's not a Grammy award winner, winner yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're gonna have to give details on that. 
Yes. Uh, he's called Tataguinas. And if you type his name on, on Google, uh, you will find two things. He was playing drums uh, and he was traveling all over the world to play music. He was one of the few Cubans uh, about to, to travel uh, freely because, you know, in Cuba, it's, uh, at this time, it was a bit difficult to, to just move around. Yeah. Um, and that, and, uh, and now it's, it's a lot of stories on that side uh, with my dad as well. Uh, going with, on concert with him, helping my mom as well, being a salsa teacher. So it's um, on one side, it's very Latino, very Cuban, very uh, cliche, maybe with a cigar and uh, and yeah, a yeah, rum yeah. in one hand. And the other side is very French uh, with my dad um, from Grenoble, which is in the middle of the Alps. Uh, it's, I think, one of the few hockey cities in, in France out of uh, French players who are playing abroad. Uh, are from Grenoble. I'm thinking about Cristobal Huet, who uh, played for the Montreal Canadiens and uh, won the Stanley Cup with uh, the Chicago um, Blackhawks. Uh, I think seven, eight years ago. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then Exxon Texi aussi, first uh, um, draft pick from uh, from the Columbus Blue Jackets two or three years ago, which is also from Grenoble. So my dad played, my uncle played, my other uncle played as well. So as you can imagine, I was uh, surrounded by hockey um, during the family dinners. Uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of, I would say, hectic discussions about uh, how to play. Uh, these guys to play. These guys better. These worse. So I mean, you can. I think you can find the same thing in Canada or, or even even in Sweden. So uh, yeah, I, I grew up in a hockey uh, family. My cousin played as well. So um, every Sunday and Wednesday it was the big game in front of our grandma's house. Um, and then after that, I kept on playing um, in Grenoble until I was 17. From 17 to, I think, 19 or 20, played in Lyon, which is one hour north of uh, Grenoble. Uh, played in second division first. Then we won the second division title, moved up to the first division. And I also saw my ice time uh, at this point becoming uh, very close to zero. Uh, yep. which I think now with more with uh, with more time and and uh, by being behind the the bench as well, I can understand why I played uh, not that much. Uh, but now very grateful to to uh, to have the opportunity to to play for this team, to play professional hockey, at least to be uh, in a professional uh, environment. And then yeah, when I was I think twenty or twenty one, uh, the same summer after the second season in Lyon. I was just wondering what should I do with hockey? Should yeah. I just try to put, to get some money somewhere and play in the lower division and then have a job on the side? Should I just study? Uh, should I just become a coach full-time? Out of question mark. And then I remember about the trip that I had when I was 15. I uh, I traveled to Sweden, Stockholm in the summer, in uh, July, which uh, is totally empty. July in Sweden, I mean, especially in Stockholm, we don't have anyone in the city, so it felt a bit different than uh, it can be right now. But uh, yeah, I fell in love with Sweden, um, and I was always wondering and, and thinking in my mind how I could play or, or move to Sweden in an easy way. Um, I didn't pick the easy way. I sent over, I think, 220 emails to teams in uh, in Sweden. I was a very bad English. Now when I see this, uh, those emails, a uh, few years after, I'm always... Uh, just holding my head and thinking, Leo, oh, this could be possible. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I didn't receive so many answers. Uh, maybe four or five. Just people telling me, 
yeah, Leo, uh, okay, I received your email, good, uh, I will let you know. And shoot team said, okay, well, if you come, let's have a tryout. I went, uh, I took a one-week ticket to uh, Copenhagen, then uh, train from Copenhagen to Malmö. Malmö to Landskrona. Landskrona is a very small city in the middle of Skone, which is the, re- the area of, uh, of Malmö. And uh, first practice, I practiced as a forward when I was supposed to be a D. And I have a very good practice, one of the best in my, my short career. And after the practice, the, the head coach tells me, yeah, if you want to stay, you can stay. Perfect. And I was like, okay, uh, what are you offering? I was still thinking in terms of like professional player. And they said, like, well, we can help you with a job and, uh, and maybe housing. And I was like, oh, okay. So then I just realized that I would not be rich playing at this, at this level, which was very humbling. Yeah. Um, and same thing, I played with a few Swedes uh, in Lyon who told me just before that if I would need any help uh, to play in, uh, in Sweden, they would just move mountains and, and help me. And I was naive enough to, uh, to take it uh, by the word and uh, go to Stockholm and, and try out and, and then call those people and ask for help. And, uh, and Swedes in July, most of the time, when they're playing hockey, they are either golfing or in Thailand. <laughs> and uh, those guys were in, in south of Spain golfing and the other one was in Thailand. So I didn't really have this help. But it didn't change anything. I was still knocking on doors, trying to send emails, texts, calling everything and everyone. And um, I had several tryouts in the city. didn't work so well. And I was just uh, thinking about staying one week and a half. I had the budget to stay one week and a half, not much. I was sleeping in hostels uh, with like eight rooms, I mean, eight beds, 12 beds. And I was so happy. It didn't matter to me. I mean, my English was terrible. Um, my Swedish non-existent. <laughs> but I was just thinking, you know, that's fine. I mean, in the country of hockey, uh, people are nice. Um, they love French people. And um, as my dad, my dad told me when I left, he said, like, the worst thing can happen to you is just to fall in love with a Swede. And, and this happened as well after that. But... <laughs> Now I signed a contract then in uh, in Nortelier, which is one hour up one hour up Stockholm, uh, and that's the same thing as well. When I uh, I was on my way to Nortelier for the first practice, I had to take the bus, um, and I left my bag in the bus. Then I tried to get in the bus, but the bus uh, stopped. And the way out for the bus, like the road, the beginning of the road was the highway. So I had to run for a few meters next to the bus, knocking on it and asking for the bus driver to open to me. Uh, and it was a good sign. Like, oh, yeah, don't give up. I mean, you will you will reach the bus. You will we'll find a team, but hey, it's not going to be easy. And it was a good sign signal for, for the rest of the trip. Same thing in, in Atelier. Uh, the rink was, I think, maybe like three or five kilometers away from the, the bus station. And um, no battery on my phone. I had to walk all that with my two bags and my, and my luggage. At some point, I just stopped by and I was thinking, what the heck are you doing? Alelio, just go home, go to France, get your croissant, like, <laughs> take it easy. Now it's over. Like, like yeah, just give up. It's easy. Tell your friends I didn't work well because uh, that problems with something. Find an excuse and, and just go home. And then I had like a rocky moment, like in the movie, like I was like, no, don't give up. It's time. It's go time. Uh, take your chance. So I went there practice very well once again <laughs> and uh, and the team i mean at least uh, the coach at the time said to me well we like you but we'd like to see you in uh, in game situation 
So I'm I'm playing the first game on the first line, the first pairing, and I think I had the worst game of my life. Uh, so which was now very funny, but uh, they were in a very bad spot, thinking like, "Wow, this guy is, is good on the ice uh, during practices, but in the game, he's just losing it out. So, like he's not the same guy." And uh, luckily, uh, the head coach at the time just realized how much it meant to me to to move to Sweden and all the effort I did to just be here. He said, like, Leo, well, let's be honest, you won't be the, the first power play guy I would think about during the season. But uh, I think you can be very good for the group. We're going to help you find a job, help you find some housing that you will have to pay. But uh, your attitude and character can, can really help the team. So, um, yeah, I'm always thanking this guy, which is Niklas Anderson, which is now the, I think, under-18 coach in uh, IEK Stockholm. And... Um, now, I always think about him and I'm always pretty emotional because without this decision, I would never be in Sweden. My life would have totally different, um, totally different. I would not speak English, would not speak Swedish, uh, would not have a kid right now, probably. So, yeah, very thankful for that. Um, but now to, to move along, uh, to continue on that path, uh, so, yeah, not, but I, but I see here that I, I mean, I think it's fascinating and I, and I, I mean, you know, I, I, I could imagine how that shapes you um, as an individual moving forward, but also what it takes to uh, it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of grit and determination. And, um, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about plan B. Um, I don't think that didn't appear that there was much of a plan B, uh, which I can you know, I can put myself in, in, I, I can empathize with that. I've, I've, I've got a similar path, which we won't talk about here, but, um, but it shapes you as an individual for sure. So two, two seasons in Nortelia division two, division three, which isn't bad hockey. A lot of people wonder, I said, well, you know, cause you got SHL, Osvenskan, division one, division two, division three. Um, I recorded an earlier episode with Ian Gately. Uh, go back and listen to that. I think it's our third episode. Similar um, similar situation, but he came from New Hampshire and, and trying to claw himself in and send out. He said, he, I think I remember in that episode, he sent out all kinds of emails and he got one response and it was in Buden up north of and he came from New Hampshire and then he ended up in fall shipping um and he's now back graduating college and I'm I'm just thinking about how those steps prepares you so this is a good segue into the next phase right so okay you're not making it you're not Bellamare Pierre Edouard, who made it via Lexand and then into NHL and has, you know, probably got the most uh, known uh, uh, success from a Frenchman in, in the NHL. But, but the what we call tuition, the, what you've paid in in sweat and determination has now positioned you. So you went straight then last season you played 16 17 and then the next season uh 
assistant coach in J18. So that's a little bit of a transition. Um, and I and and then if you go to your LinkedIn profile, you could tell that man, this guy is a hard worker who is not sitting around. So let's talk about your transition from a player into the next phase of your career. Yeah, I could as well add on my LinkedIn profile, uh, like post-deliver uh, in the night in winter in Nortelier. And uh, I work as well in the pizza kiosk uh, in Nortelier, one of those places that's doing pizza and kebab uh, while I was playing for Nortelier. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it really helped me. I just uh, having all those uh, opportunities, I would call that opportunities to, to just uh, be challenged. I think uh, it was not so easy. Something not really is not, I think, the the most. Um, it's not the city you type on on Google when you move, when you think about Sweden. Um, but the people that were amazing to me, and I really felt that they wanted me to succeed in a way. So I always try to, uh, yeah, to help uh, with jobs and all that. But uh, to answer your question, the transition between player and coach was very natural to me and very easy. My dad was coaching as well. Uh, we had a lot of conversations when I was younger about. Uh, uh, pedagogy, uh, how to teach players and mostly human beings, um, just behaviors and, and yeah, just how to interact with people. Uh, and this could be in hockey or, or, or even in real life, I would say. Um, and I'm a big Arsenal fan, the football team, the soccer team. So as I'm French as well, it makes sense that, uh, I, I watched a lot of uh, interviews with Arsene Wenger, which uh, was the head coach for, I think, 20 years. And uh, coming from Grenoble, which is in France, and being one hour away from Lyon, which is a very good soccer club as well, I've been influenced by soccer for a long time. And and just by being influenced by soccer, I could see the coaches, the way they were. And to me, since a very young age, uh, I always felt that something was wrong with the coaching in France. And I was thinking like, wow, we have players here. We have enough players to at least compete against, I would say, uh, the B teams in the in the in the first division, and, and this was not the case. And then I tried to dig a bit deeper, and I was thinking that one of the reasons of many is the coaching. And uh, my first practices in Sweden were were amazing. I was thinking, wow, well, okay, they get it right. They know how to coach. They know how to talk to players. They know how to interact. And uh, for me, being in Sweden and coaching in Sweden uh, was like going to, I would say, Harvard of, of hockey uh, yeah. in terms of coaching. Uh, and and once again, the same thing I did to find a team, I did the same thing to find people to talk to and to learn from. So I just became a networking machine. Like anytime I could see someone, I would just text him, send him an email, uh, politely, not being too too harsh and, and uh, in the face, but just uh, yeah, asking for coffee or just having for a very short phone call. And uh, the patient I got from coaching and from the players that I coach as well, because thanks to them, I got, I fall in love with coaching. Uh, they were very open-minded, uh, very patient as well, because I mean, when you don't speak so well Swedish, I mean, not all, and uh, <laughs> your English is terrible, uh, you have to be patient to understand what a Frenchman with a strong accent is saying to you. But uh, they've been uh, no, a very good support uh, and, and since then, I mean, coaching is, uh, is, is, is uh, a lot for me. And I see, so started off assistant coach at J18 Division One, 
Um, and of course, in Sweden, you have J18 region, Division One, but Division One is still a you know lots and lots of talent. Uh, may not have been the top end talents that goes to the NIU programs, but and I'm sure that you saw some that were really, really, they were just on the outside. And then some that maybe not, you know, they were just playing for fun or, or you know, as an extension yeah. of the youth, youth hockey. But um, what, what, what was your biggest, if you look back that first year of coaching, what was, um, what was your biggest takeaway from, from that? What was the biggest thing you learned? I think it's the, it's going to be a bit cliche. It's just fun. Uh, this group, um, I think seven of those guys now are playing in uh, uh, under, uh, under 20 Super Elite or wow. at least in Alsvenskan. Uh, it's something which is amazing. Uh, in Amer in Notalie, those guys have had the same coach, I think, from U7 to U18. Uh, then they all moved to Antuna, which now moved up to Super Elite in under 20. Um, well, we're, what the, the team we're talking about here, here is Ruslog and... Yeah, exactly. So I, I, so just to put that in perspective too, um, and you know, we had Kim Lindgren as a, as a coach on, on the episode nine, who's coaching one of the smaller, I think he was in Saltkobaden, smaller program, feeder programs, but talents and you know, the impact that you can have on, on a group right there, right? Um, some, it depends on what they want, right? And and I'm sure going back, some really wanted it and some not so much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, the, I think now with uh, looking back, the, the hardest thing for a coach at this level is to know if they really want it. They will all say, yes, I want to play pro. But then you have to see in their behavior if they really want to play pro. You will see talent uh, that you have to nurture and help uh, to get to the right direction and not being distracted by, by the others as well while just playing for fun. And in the same way, you have to respect the players playing for fun because they're still here for a reason. I mean, they love hockey. Uh, maybe they don't want to play SHL, but they still love hockey. And for me, I think the biggest takeaway the first season was to find the balance between those top players playing with guys that could never, I mean, like, yeah, some guys are hard time skating backwards more than 10 meters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and some of the guys are now playing uh, Nazvenskan. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, the first season for me was also very special because I was still living, I, mean, I was living in Stockholm. I moved in Stockholm, was working there in a coffee shop in the morning, practices where I think at six or seven in Atelier. Uh, so in some nights I was working as a, as a, I forgot about that. Well, uh, I worked in a French bar, uh, wine bar. So it was a lot of traveling and commuting and, uh, not so many hours sleeping, but just going to the rink, seeing those guys, uh, very happy and, and only looking forward to the next game just gave me energy. I mean, wow. it was amazing. And I'm, I'm, yeah, one of the best in, in my, in my short coaching career. And then the next year, so it looks like um, J18 Elite uh, with SDE, which is a, one of the bigger programs in Stockholm, not Jurgården and Hoikor, but very respectful organization. Was there a coaching change in the middle of the season 
that because it says here assistant coach and then head coach. Yeah, exactly. Um, no coaching change during the season. Uh, the head coach at the time uh, felt like he, he could not give his 100% all the time in practices and could not come all the time. And he felt, uh, everyone saw in the club, that uh, uh, I was very motivated. I was not a perfect coach. I was doing some mistakes like everyone. Uh, but the motivation and the passion was there. And I think players saw it and felt it as well. And I took over as a head coach in, in the middle of the season. Uh, which ended up on a, on a good note. We stayed in in the in this division, and uh, now, funny enough, now in Solentuna, I'm coaching players that I coached three years ago. Wow! So everything uh, goes back into circles sometimes. And then I see here, so two years in in uh, Switzerland. So another kind of pivot. So you went from from France youth to Sweden trying to make it and then pivoting into coaching a uh, couple of years there of coaching and getting uh, a Harvard degree in coaching and then moving into Switzerland. Tell us about, about that move. Yeah. Um, yeah. Life sometimes very funny since I'm a, I'm, I'm a kid, the Switzerland and the championship there, I mean, the league, was the league I was always following. I don't know why, maybe because it was very close to where I was living. I always have, had a very good like, passion for hockey in general. I would know every stats, every players in every league kind of. But my focus was mostly on the Swiss league. Um, and teams like Loza and Bern, Geneva was teams that I was following as a kid. Um, but to answer the question once again, I was in a conference in uh, Gothenburg, I think one year or two years before that. Uh, with the EHC, which is the European Alliance of Hockey, um, conglomerate of, I think, the biggest clubs in Europe. They meet once or twice a year and discuss about the politics within hockey and, and those things. And uh, and I got away in um, just by asking. I uh, asked how I could help. And uh, they found something to do for me. I was the guy just uh, clicking on the, the slides uh, on the big screen when someone would talk. <laughs> uh, which is a pretty funny thing now that uh, that uh, yeah uh, I've been working with some of the people that were the audience at the time, but yes, and at the time I meet uh, John Fust, which was the GM of Lausanne, uh, and it was an empty spot on the bus where I was sitting <laughs> next to him, and I recognized him, and I was like, Leo, this is your chance, this is a signal. Um, he was coaching the twenties national team Switzerland, I think five years before that, and I was watching the games in streaming from my my uh, tiny room in Grenoble, uh, and and they had a very good tournament. You know, the writer was in the, was in the team, I think, um, and and at, at this moment, I'm like, okay, I'm going to talk to him, I'm going to find something to say, and uh, I just want to learn from my guy as well. So I talked to him, uh, we chat, give me his card after that. Uh, one year after, I go to Lausanne. Uh, just to visit and and just to do like what I call a, a coffee tour, just go into places and talk to people. Uh, and six months after that, I see on LinkedIn that they would be looking for a video coordinator, and I'm thinking, video coordinator, what's that? Uh, I click, I see the job description, and I'm like, yeah, that's like a tech thing. It's like someone was like somebody that like, somebody that clicks on the on on the advances the slides. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's something. Uh, uh, I don't know about that. I don't know if I'm good or, or if I uh, I can fit the profile. But hey, you know what? I'm just going to text John and we'll see how it goes. I text John. 
it calls me back 15 minutes after. He says, hey, Leo, uh, do you want to have a job interview with uh, Craig McTavish on Friday morning? And I'm like, Craig McTavish? Rings a bell. I think I heard his name some, somewhere. And I, and I Google the name, and I'm like, oh, that Craig McTavish. <laughs> Four-time Stanley Cup winner and the last guy wearing a helmet in a nutshell. Okay. Uh, and the thing with McTavish, with Craig on Eddie Prospect, the picture he has, he looks very mean and tough and not in a good mood. I don't know if it's the same picture, but I saw the picture and I was thinking, ooh, la, 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 la. It's going to be a tough job interview. So after the interview for 20 minutes, um, I, I really thought I nailed it uh, because at the end, he says like, oh, thank you very much. And this is where I learned about the North American style of communicating, that people in North America are very positive, very, uh, yeah, they're, they're very positive all the time. And, and Mac Tiaidin is like, yeah, Leo, thank you very much for the interview. I will get back to you very soon. And uh, me being a bit naive, I think like, okay, I have the job, great. And I wait, and I wait, and I wait, and I wait. And I wait, I think, three months before signing the contract. Uh, I signed in Lausanne, and then I had the, the chance, the opportunity to work with my uh, childhood uh, idol, Christopher Luet, I just mentioned before. Uh, he was the goalie coach at the time. Uh, worked with Peter Svoboda, won Stanley Cup with the Montreal Canadiens and the Olympic. Uh, I worked with NHL players in the team. Um, with guys that I was watching when I was a bit younger in the World Championships. So yeah, the first days were a bit, uh, I would say, strange. I had to pinch myself uh, a bunch of times uh, just to feel like, okay, Leo, you, you belong here. If you're here, there's a reason. Uh, you're not an imposter. Everything is fine. And, uh, and how, good how, year. how old were you then? I was, I think, uh, so 25, 26. Yeah. So, yeah. so not a... Not necessarily, you know, 1920 naive, but still not super experienced where you're like, yeah, I got this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah, some and I'm, I'm sure they gave you a, a, a big, huge salary too, right? Well, uh, my salary, if I have to compare what I had in Switzerland and the one I had in uh, Roslagen, Notelier, yeah, this is uh, was way different. No, the first time I got my salary, I was thinking it was the yearly salary. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, the, the, yeah, hockey was amazing. But that's true. Wow. I've talked about that. Just the, 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 the surroundings, Lausanne, the, the city, the lake. It was two hours away from where I'm from. Uh, it was the COVID year. So it was a bit difficult on that side to okay. travel with my family. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but no, I mean, I learned a lot. And, uh, positive and then, and and then you're... you're... So your girlfriend at the time is back in Sweden? She's back in Sweden. Uh, thanks to her mom at the time, she, the mom said like, Leo, I mean, whatever. Okay, that's my daughter, but you have to go. This is your dream. You have to go. Wow. And then uh, uh, Linnea, the, the daughter so, at the time, she was... Uh, it's, yeah, it's it's really fascinating. Um, are you familiar with the, uh, the game Plinko? I know. All right, you should look it up, and I and I use this yeah. analogy a lot. Plinko, it's P L I N K O, but it's basically you've seen it. You drop the the little disc in at the top, and it hits these nails going down, and and it can. Life to me is a, is the game is like the game of Plinko, where you drop the disc in here, and where it ends up bends depends so much of does it bounce to the left or to the right. And this opportunity that you have in front of you on the bus, uh, 
I talk to a lot of young people and I say, when you're given that opportunity to do something different, take it, no matter what it is, take it. And, and it takes a little bit of guts to say, it's easy to just say, no, I don't want to talk to that person or I'm not going to talk to that person. I hope, hope we didn't freeze up here. Um, but, but it could be very well, um, did I lose you there? Oh, here we yeah, go. Sorry, you hear me? Yeah, yeah. I'm here. Yeah, but it, but, but life is like a, a game of plinko, and it could be that that is the moment that changes your trajectory for your life. And it's easy to just say, I'm not going to take it. I'm going to take the easy route and say, no, I, I'm I'm too scared to talk to that person, or it's too big of a leap to leave home or um i'm afraid of what the response is going to say or the fear of rejection versus like no i'm just going to do it uh kind of thing yeah. so all right so uh and then you're then you're coming back so this year now so, um so after 2 years in swiss you're back in in solentuna now at H20 or J20 region, another level yes. here. And now all of a sudden it's getting serious. Yeah. Now I'm the I'm the head coach. I'm the one uh I mean this is uh this is why I realized as well and what uh McT told me, uh Craig McTavish told me in Lausanne. Like you have two options. Either you're the one who's supporting, helping the head coach and supporting him hundred percent. Either you're the one who's criticizing, are not happy and complaining about everything, but try to find a head coach role somewhere yeah. uh, because you will see being a head coach is not that easy. Um, and I've never been in a second situation where I wanted to leave because I was unhappy or or just criticizing every move of the head coach, far from that. Uh, but just while I was just curious, I think the timing was right because um, I, I got a kid, uh, a little boy six months ago, born in Bern in Switzerland. Uh, and that kid as well will have a, a tough time explaining where he's from. Mom is French Swedish, dad is French Cuban, and he's born in Switzerland. So I think uh, it's going to be as well <laughs> a lot of stories for him to tell. Uh, but uh, oh, um, with my son being born and, and here now, uh, we felt it was a bit easier for everyone to, to go back to Sweden, uh, especially knowing that uh, my girlfriend is from Stockholm. So it would not be uh, so hard to find a, a good, I think, uh, head coaching or just coaching role um, in, in, in the Stockholm area. Uh, it has been a bit like rushed by the end to find something, but uh, I found the Solentuna um, thanks to the people I coached in, in SD. It was very, it was easier for me to get the job because they could, uh, they could talk about me in a, in a positive way. Yeah. Uh, and now just being here, being the head coach feels natural. I, I really love it. Um, it's, it's everything I was looking for uh just i would say being the boss taking my own decisions doing my own mistakes because once again i'm i'm starting as a coach uh and i will do things that uh i will think maybe in five years or three years like, what the heck is that why did you do this but um i think it's tough to learn by just being an assistant uh for x amount of years you have to learn by doing it yeah. And this is something I, I talked with with so many coaches uh, prior to take the decision. I was always asking this question, is it better for me to stay somewhere 
in a big club as an assistant and then just wait for my 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 time to be the head coach or just try to be the head coach at a young age and and uh, develop on that uh, yeah. but so far no i once again the kids are are fantastic uh, they are taking in everything i ask them to do i really try to explain the why as well of why we're doing stuff i um try to make them play an exciting type of hockey um uh, it's a process i mean uh, for them it would take some time to to apply for the things that i want to bring and for me it would take some time as well to to know uh the players and and, and the way they play and and the interactions so no so far i'm i'm very very happy all right two more things and then we're going to wrap it up so because i'm i'm um the other part about this, uh, it's it's pretty impressive as well. But talk about got my team. So if you go to Leo's LinkedIn profile, you you'll see, um, and and I would assume that that's a good way to reach out to you. Just look you up on LinkedIn. Yeah, connect. Yeah, yeah, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, and LinkedIn mostly. I'm uh, I answer to everyone, and like people did with me. Uh, yeah, they'd be nice. Yeah, the hockey world is very. I mean, people in the hockey world are very, very nice. So yeah, let's keep it that way. So if you go in here, co-founder, CEO, got my team, and so I looked at that and I thought, wow, this is a unique concept here, and it's got a little button that you can say, why did I create got my team? So I'm just gonna free reign here to give a, a, a complete uh, free advertisement on Swedish junior hockey about got my team. But I just think it's, it's something that can benefit anybody, uh, whether you're a player or a coach or a team. Uh, when you go there, it's pretty self-explanatory what it is, but talk about it. Exactly. This is something I realized after my, I think my first winter in Sweden, I was just wondering why is there not, much more players playing abroad like i'm thinking tier b tier c players uh, it's easy for top players to find teams in switzerland in nhl or maybe in finland sweden but for everyone else uh, the only way to find a team would just to have a friend somewhere or to know the gm uh, or just to stay in your own area and um once again super like like in every movies i was sleeping at some point and uh, woke up at three in the morning uh, opened eyes and I was like, oh, I found something. I found something. Take a paper, a pen. I write the ID quickly. I uh, wake up in the morning. I'm like, what's this paper about? And I write, I, I read it. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I wrote this night. Uh, but from the night I wrote that on the paper and the first day of the launching of website, it has been, I think, one year, uh, which proved that the zero to one can be very long and, and we just have to do it sometimes. But to go back and got my team, the platform is super easy to use. Uh, you create your profile. I think there's four lines to uh, to fill: name, last name, password, and, and email. Then um, you get all your stats directly uh, included from uh, a prospect on your profile. So teams can look you up uh, if they're interested by your profile. They can reach out to you directly. Um, they won't see your email. They won't see your phone number, and vice versa. You won't see their email or their phone number. So uh, it's confidential in one way. Same thing for you when you're interested by a team looking for players because teams can post announces. Uh, you just have to apply and the team behind the screen can uh, accept or decline the, the the request so that, for example, you don't get spammed by, as we said, 200 players uh, are looking for a team. 
And what's been working very well this uh, this summer is for the coaches. Since uh, three, four months, we've been working way more with coaches. We have coaches from the NHL to, uh, uh, I would say, uh, the third level in Germany. And uh, some of them found jobs in, in other countries. And uh, the main and why I created Got My Team to, to make it short was just to help everyone to have the same chances and opportunities. Uh, I don't think there's so many people willing to take their bag and move in the country just to try out for two weeks. <laughs> and I know there's so many, I would say, wasted talents. People are very good but don't have an agent and looking for a team. And same thing, if you have an agent or if you are an agent, you can still go and get my team and find clubs for your um, for your clients because as an agent, you have your network, uh, but I'm not sure that you know everyone in the world of hockey. So having this as a compliment uh, first made a lot of sense, and uh, I'm very happy about the the development of uh, of got my team. So, uh, and and what's the URL? What's the website? Got my team. G O T M Y T E A M dot com. Dot com. So it's not a dot se. Uh, this we, is we this is really a uh, international platform, and not just for Swedish players and and teams, but but really international, right? Exactly. We have we have offers from Australia, offers from East Coast Hockey League, and uh, yeah, same thing KH at some point. Now it's very international. Yeah, well, I'll I'll make sure that we'll we'll tweet this out as well, and and uh, in conjunction with with kind of this this um, chat here. Last thing, we'll wrap it up. Uh, I, I always tell myself I'm going to kind of keep these to twenty minutes, but your stories are are. Are amazing and your journey's amazing and i just think it's going to benefit people um you know to hear your story but you know you're 20 uh 27 now right yeah 27 so i asked the same question to uh my last um guest casper who i talked to not and i just released that today actually casper stockfish from from denmark Who's actually the same age, and yep. uh, and I said, you know, you're 27. What advice do you give to yourself? Ten years, you are now the coach, but you're you're talking to yourself as a 17 year old. Uh, what advice do you do you give? I'm thinking about the ego. Just I will. Just leave the ego beside. Don't take things personally. Just do your thing. Focus on yourself. Just try to be better every day. It sounds very cheesy in a way, but sometimes I think uh, out of coaches are comparing themselves. They're saying that one guy is coaching there. I same thing for players. One guy is coaching there, or the one is coaching here. Oh wow, I'm only thirty and I'm coaching there, or I'm forty-five and I'm coaching. I'm not head coach yet. Uh, what I learned is that all oh, that is a very long journey and a different journey for everyone. And ready to find something that you're happy with. Uh, it's very, it's very easy sometimes to take. I think opportunities because they look good on the paper, and and you will be, you will get a lot of likes on LinkedIn or elsewhere. But is it something that you're really happy about? Happy to work with? And, and this would be the advice I would give myself. Uh, a little Leo, which is seventeen, and I'm 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 pretty pleased that now uh, I understood that. Uh, and uh, I will try to keep on uh, remind myself that uh, uh, being uh, yeah having friends telling you like wow that's cool you do this uh, it's fine but it's even better if you really think so yeah 
it's amazing and i and i uh it's going to be interesting to kind of keep up with um your trajectory trajectory here you've got you've built an amazing platform of of contacts through the years with important people that you can rely on and uh and we'll see where where it goes i've i've i've, I've got my my prediction is is uh, uh this is going to be an interesting journey to follow so maybe we'll check in uh as we go uh good luck great luck to 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 the rest of the season here uh the players that are working under you are uh are in for a journey i'm sure and uh and um uh but there's no doubt the passion is there and you've got the background and and um that you can share uh both on and off the ice so thank you so much for 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 jumping on and um and uh, we'll wrap it up here and and stay in touch for sure. Thank you, Jacob. It was a pleasure. And uh, I'm sorry I, I couldn't make it in 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's it's all worth it. <laughs>